It's our, it's our privilege to have you all in service with us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. There was an example set and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Very simple. We're not going to dive very deep tonight. But I do believe that we need to remind ourselves and encourage ourselves that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. Would someone just say that together? He's the author and the finisher. Would you leave your hand in the air for a moment? Join with me. Father, we are grateful for your help that comes in moments just like these. God, would you talk with us? Lord, if you'd eclipse us and just show up, that would be wonderful. Lord, if your voice would just be heard, God, that confidence that comes from you would be brought into somebody's life, into somebody's heart tonight. That would be absolutely wonderful. God, let your word speak. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. The author and the finisher. I, I, I had a little bit of a, a chuckle before service because <clears throat> I don't know if you were here last Sunday evening or not, but last Sunday evening, you know, sometimes I tend to come up while the singers are still singing. And <clears throat> I, I think, you know, give me cut me a little slack. I think more often than not, I, I, I time it about right. However, there are times when I feel like we're coming to the end of the song and we're nowhere near the end of the song. Someone hasn't clued me in on the script or maybe the script isn't uh, anywhere where I can reach it or anywhere where I can see it and, and somewhere along the lines communication gets a little distorted. Like last Sunday night, I was standing here staring at the back wall wondering what those words were that they were singing to the melody that was being played while everybody was watching me getting a little chuckle about that. So before service tonight... Uh, we had the great people at the back text me to say, there's more than just the single song. <laughs> After Kathy came up to the office upstairs before service and said, hey, uh, I just want to let you know, there's a tag on the end of the song because sometimes, can I just remind us that, that we can get it wrong. Oh, that, maybe, sorry. I brought you in on my pain there for a moment. I can get it wrong. Can anybody identify with me? Sometimes we feel like it's all over and really it's kind of just begun. And we're left to stand on the sidelines and watch it unfold while we wait for things to finish when we figured they were already done. It's moments like that that remind us that it's not our hand in control of the pen it's authoring the story of our lives. It's quite natural for all of us in this age of communication to want to pick what message gets communicated. We all want to be in control of the story that's told, especially when it's about us. And obviously, we can create a narrative and present a picture, sometimes of a false reality, if we're not careful. It was February the 10th in 2010, nice cold winter day, that we had decided that we were going to go skiing. We uh, took a trip up to Crab Mountain, and, and uh, I don't know if we have a picture that we have. Oh, back it up a couple, Kate, I think, or, or change it up a minute there. 
just one more. There, there we are. We can leave that one just for now. Um, that, that's a, I don't know who was all there that day. I think Rick Long and Shane Long. Shane's up there. Shane was skiing along with us that day. We went, there's Shane right there. Doesn't he look cool? Can I just tell you, Shane's one of those guys that, you know, if he picks up a ball glove, he can, he can throw a ball. If he picks up a tennis racket, he can, he can ace down the court. If, if he, you know, if he gets on a snowboard, he can just kind of zip, 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 zip down the hill. And so this day we were skiing up Crab Mountain. He said, hey, have you ever tried snowboarding? I said, no, never tried snowboarding. He said, well, here, take my snowboard. We, we can give it a try. I was like, all right, well, you know, remember this is 10 years ago. I'm smack dab in the middle of midlife crisis. <laughs> and I'm confident that I can do what Shane Long can do on the hill. So I remember pulling that snowboard on and, and uh, getting off the lift at the top of the hill. And, and the beginning was pretty good. There was no, no fear. It was felt, felt pretty good, pretty comfortable. And we're just kind of rolling down the hill. And, and he said, you know, when you lean forward, you're, you're going to turn to the right, if you lean backwards, you're going to catch the edge. You're going to turn to the left. He said, just, just kind of make your way down the hill. So that was kind of working. That was kind of working until I caught the edge in reality. And before I knew it, I had fallen face first into the snow with no control. My legs dangling somewhere behind me. Not to be deterred. Try, try, and try again. Got back up on my feet. Got the board underneath me and started back down the descent. This time, I caught the back edge of the board. It slammed me so hard into the snow that I wasn't going to forget about that for a good few weeks. When, it, when I hit the ground that hard, fear came into my being. Fear came into my being. And from that point on, every time that I felt that snowboard catch an edge, I panicked and down I went. I wasn't anywhere near through the trip down the hill. And you can only imagine that by now, the spectacle of me slamming myself into the side of the hill was a bit humorous for everybody else along for the ride. As a matter of fact, the cameras had come out, like you see. And as I was descending down the hill, I knew, as a matter of fact, this is what I'm talking about, the false reality, because if you just kind of looked at this picture right now, I had looked up, and Shane had his camera out, and he was, I could see the grin behind the camera. And I knew that in just a moment, I was one more time going to face plant into the snow, but I knew if I could just hold it together for a moment, I could make somebody think that I could snowboard. <laughs> and so I did. And I thought, can you give me a hand for trying? <laughs> the reality is, is that probably 0.27 seconds later, I was flat on the ground again. And at that point, I was done. I was done. I changed out of the snowboard boots in the middle of the hill. I pulled my, I was pulling on my ski boots, or yeah, ski boots when the snow patrol came along. And they said, you can't do that in the middle of the hill. 
said, well, I'm already halfway there. I said, just give me a minute. So there, there they were at the top, in, the, in the middle of the hill, and I'm, I'm pulling boots off and pulling boots on. And, and I never felt so good to get something like skis back under me. I, I just made my way back down the hill, and, and I have never again got on a snowboard. That right there is the last time I was and the last time I will be on a snowboard. A little older, a little wiser, a little more brittle. But I could fool somebody right now if I posted that picture sometime in February of next year and said, had a great day on the mountain. If I wanted to author my own story and create my own reality to make somebody believe the life that I was living was something like that. It wouldn't be true, but it'd look real. It wouldn't be the facts, but I could fool somebody. Here's the problem. Is that sometimes in the middle of our lives, we get to thinking that we are editor-in-chief of our own communication and that we are author and finisher of our own selves and that's far from the fact you know part of the problem with reality shows now is that they're far from reality carefully edited clips pictures videos music and plot lines individuals can be created to create to, to be something that they're not and the drama of it all Ups the viewership, so really that's what they're after, and it's not even a reality show after all. It's far from it. It used to be that photos could be very easily manipulated. We knew that, and, and so a photo really didn't have a lot of weight. It didn't bear a lot of facts. It, wasn't, it, was, it could be edited. It could be adjusted to create a false reality. Everybody knew that, but it used to be that if you had a video, it was, it was golden in the courtroom. It, it was powerful. It was, it was presentation that would stir hearts and bring truth to the surface. But the problem is that even now in recent years, camera apps have become increasingly sophisticated. There's something called deep fakes where videos now can become to appear like reality when really it isn't the truth at all. They can manipulate images to create somebody doing something that they didn't even do. And it's a, a concern that's, that you can read about it in Forbes magazine. You can read about it in all the digital content online because now this, this ability, has this accessible technology is available for the masses. And they're creating these manipulated videos that, that create ideas and, and propose thoughts that people really didn't even have. They can make us say something we didn't even say. Make us do something we didn't even do. And for the masses, it would appear like my word. Did they really say that? Did Obama really curse? No comment. But fabricated images and sounds that appear to be real, it's, it's, it's deep 
fake because it's getting to the point where we can't realize we don't understand the reality of what's happened. We are fooled by our senses. And if there ever was a time when truth needs to stand and be prevalent and prominent and preached, it's this day in this age because against the backdrop of fake and against the backdrop of just hypothesis and ideas, the word of God is going to stand alone. It's going to stand powerful. It's going to stand with authority and there's not going to be anything else like it. I wonder if there's any lovers of the word of God, the truth of God's word. That word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. You know, it's bad when we have people that create a world and put us in it. A false world, a false reality. But, but the challenge is that sometimes we do that to ourselves and we do it to each other. We create our own hypothesis of someone else's life. Our assumptions and our biases can force our opinion on our friends and on our foes or potential foes. We all can get a little bit of the woe is me. You know, balance isn't easy. But the Bible doesn't slow down a bit when it tells us that we need to be balanced. The same Bible that says thou shalt not covet tells us that God hates a proud look. In other words, you can be without and have as much of a problem as somebody with. And God calls you to walk the balanced beam in the middle. Why? Because that's the word of God. It's truth. The, the Bible, God demands that, that we somewhere live in the middle of, you know, the people that say, please, now don't, no, don't take my picture. I, I haven't, I'm not ready yet for that. Pride takes hold. But then there's other people, that false humility is just as bad as someone that says, look at me, look at me, look at me. But the Bible doesn't, doesn't hold back a bit when it says walk the middle of that line. Come on, be humble. But be confident in who you are. You're a child of the king. You don't have to hang your head. You know what the key is to that? Esteem your brother higher than you. So if you, come on, if you're doing that, then you don't have a problem with who you are. As long as you see your neighbor as someone that is greater than you. You know what that does? It lifts them up to the place that they should be. Who they could be in Christ. The Bible, balanced. You know, one of the most inspired parts of the Bible is the unglossed truth of people. I'm not going to be a long time tonight. Let, let me help us understand what I'm trying to say. Sometimes I, it's a challenge communicating. Let, let me just say, I'm pretty sure that if your mom was writing the Bible, there would be parts of your story she'd leave out. If your dad or your grandfather had the pen, we wouldn't have critical clues to remind us of how human you really are. But the word takes no caution to catalog failure under anything other than people just doing wrong. With the same candor and candidness, it talks about people's failures like it talks about their successes. It's just another verse in the chapter. It talks about it. Why? Because here's, here's the key. We're all going to fail sometime. We're all going to be aching with something hidden under our tent. We're, we're all going to struggle with doing right, doing good, 
being truthful. We're all going to struggle with that at times. And God wants us to know, you know, this word is a continuous story from the beginning to the end. He doesn't hold back the truth about people because he knows we're going to be able to identify ourselves in different characters in the word sometimes. But God isn't going to give up on us. And God's not going to quit on us. God's still going to keep on reaching for us because that's the God that he is. He doesn't gloss the truth because he knows I still kept reaching. I still kept writing the story because the story wasn't finished yet. The story wasn't complete. It didn't end with Achan's failure. It didn't stop with lost failing. It just continued on because God had you in his mind and God had me in his mind and God had eternity in his mind so he just kept on writing this story I wish someone would thank God he didn't stop writing Come on, he didn't stop writing. He didn't stop writing when Noah was building the ark and the flood was coming. He didn't stop writing when Noah even failed and got drunk outside. Come on, he didn't stop writing. He just keeps on writing. Yet Noah built the ark and then Noah's dumb, got drunk. Just right there, right there, carries on the story. We wouldn't have included it. We would have said, hey, look, that's going to cause someone to stumble. We're not going to include that part of the story. Or is that just my family? <laughs> the word just continues on. It continues on. It talks about people's falling and it talks about people's failing. It starts in Genesis with Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3, we're three chapters in. We just barely get through creation. And it lays it out. Eve took the fruit and did eat. It's the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. It's Abraham lying about his wife in Genesis 12. We, we don't have time to go through the whole Bible. We don't have time to go through the wrongdoing of everyone in Scripture. Just suffice it to say that the Bible clearly indicates our failures. It's Lot with his daughters. It's Abraham with Hagar. It's Esau selling his birthright. It's Jacob deceiving his father. It's Judah and Tamar. It's Joseph's brothers selling him into slavery. It's people in history that God didn't stop the story simply because they failed. There's no question David's probably one of the Bible's most important figures. It's easy to be inspired by his youthful willingness to fight Goliath, his friendship with Jonathan, his psalms that he wrote, the songs that he, 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 he wrote and, and just played them with such passion. His enduring patience under King Saul, he continued on. He's such a marvelous character, but with the same candor that it writes about all those awesome tributes to David. He, he just continues on. The word continues on, and it talks about David coveting Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and he commits adultery with her. He effectively steals her from Uriah, lies to him, and eventually has him murdered. David breaks five of the ten commandments in his life. But God didn't stop the story. He said, oh, let's pull out First and Second Samuel. We got to get rid of that. Got to get rid of, uh, let me get start tearing out this psalm, stupid David. Spent this time writing. Now I got to tear it all apart. No, 
That's not what happened. God just carries on. Why? Because he's still writing the story. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He just keeps on writing. He keeps on talking. It's Elijah. Elijah had so many miraculous experiences. You'd think that he had this unshakable faith. He caused the rain to stop for more than three years. He watches as the ravens sail in with dinner. He watches as the ravens sail in with breakfast. The ravens feed him. He just sees this miracle time after time. A limitless jar of flour and a jug of oil. He watched the widow's son resurrect up off the bed he he beats the prophets of Baal in that game on Mount Carmel when he calls down fire from heaven you think he ain't gonna fail Elijah's got too much he's got too much backlog of God's greatness he's not gonna fail but but when the showdown with the Baal worshippers angers King Ahab and Jezebel gets it in the mix Elijah can't take it And Elijah, that powerful prophet, is convinced he's going to die. But God doesn't stop writing the story. He carries on. And Elijah realizes he's not just one. But there's 300 more just like him that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. What's God saying? Don't stop when you feel like the story is over. Paul's awful history. Let's move to the New Testament. Before Paul became the writer of all the New Testament epistles, authors, letters to churches to help them. He was a terror to the early church. He was present when Stephen was killed, the first martyr. And Paul gives his approval and holds the coats for the stoners. As Stephen lays dying, he watches him pass. From there, Luke tells us that Saul made it his business to destroy the church. He goes door to door in Jerusalem looking for Christians to kill. But God's not finished the story. Now, sometimes God does with us like he did with Paul. It's a bright light. He knocks us off of our beast, gets our attention. He's got he to <laughs> shake us up a little bit. But why? Because he's not finished with our story. And Paul goes on to write. And the story is cataloged and told right there, of his failures, his failings. But God uses Paul and still uses Paul today. Why? Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Coming back to the music, it's Peter, the loudest personality in the room. Jesus even tells him, Peter, you're going to deny me, and he denies Christ. But the very night Christ is arrested, someone confronts Peter in the courtyard of the Sanhedrin, accuses him of being a a follower of Jesus, and he denies three times. And the third time, he curses his accusers, and then he realizes what he's done. He breaks down and weeps bitterly. But Peter, it's not over. God's not finished writing your story.
Peter is the first of the 12 apostles that Jesus appears to. He restores Peter. The Sea of Galilee, John 21. And we know Peter preaches Acts 2, the birth of the church. And he reaches to the whosoever will. Why? Because God wasn't finished. But if we had been writing the story, if we had been taking the pictures, if we had been cataloging the daily events, we would have said, it's over. But I just came to remind someone tonight that God's not finished writing the story. He's not finished writing your story. He's not finished writing our story. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't quit. Don't stop. I, I, I feel the Holy Ghost just bubbling up in somebody's spirit. That's perfectly in order right now. I wish you'd just let it flow because somebody needs to know that God's not finished with them yet. Come on, there are 300 prophets who still haven't bowed their knee. Joseph, the pit isn't the end. There's Egypt's courtroom waiting, so don't quit. In Daniel's den, Daniel, don't stop now. Why? Because Darius is going to come and the lion's mouths are going to be shut. God's still on the throne. He's still writing your story, Daniel. It's not over yet. Paul's thorn is the power behind Paul's pen to cheer the early and the end time church onto victory. Why? Because God's not finished writing our story yet. John's island isn't the end. It's a revelation of the end that will encourage us on this journey to heaven because God's not finished writing our story yet. I'm so thankful that God's not done with me. It was Joel Hempel that wrote the song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him, what? To make the moon and the star, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. He's still writing. He's not finished. We look at history and we think history is this is culmination of stories. History is not just history. History is his, H-I-S, his story. God's story of humanity put different kings on different thrones, but there's still just one king of kings and he's still writing the story. He's still for his church. He still loves us with an everlasting love. He's still reaching. He's still promising. He's still delivering. God's still working on me. Standing together tonight, I don't know. I don't know if someone in the room, you thought my story's finished. This isn't the way you wanted it to end. Can I remind you, God isn't finished with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. I'll declare Galatians 6 and 9 with Paul. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I'll remind us of Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize. So run 
that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery, you're going to fall, you're going to fail, but keep striving, keep pressing, keep pushing. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, we're not doing it for an in, a corruptible crown. We're doing it for an incorruptible crown. We're doing it because eternity is at stake. We're doing it because this matters more than we ever could have imagined. We're doing it not, not just because of something we can gain here. Thank God for the church. Thank God that we're together here tonight. But that's not why we do it. We do it because there's this incorruptible, eternal hope that's waiting for us. We're not going to stop. So keep on running, CCC. Keep on running. Hear of the word of God tonight. Keep on running. If you trip and you stumble, get back up and keep on running. Why? Because God's still writing your story. I feel the Holy Ghost rising in the room. I wish someone would just let God bring you the strength that you need tonight. Come on, just, just, why don't we just lift both hands? If you got the gift of the Holy Ghost, we may as well let it flow for a moment. Come on. Come on, church. We're still praying for the miraculous. We're still praying for the impossible. We're still praying for the prodigal. Come on. We're still worshiping. Be of good courage. Don't be afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Whithersoever thou goest. He's still writing your story. The words there prepared for you. It's in advance. It's already been given. And when you walk into that season, when you walk into that time in your life, you're going to look back and say, that's why God gave me that word. That's why God spoke to me that way. Right there, right then. I didn't understand it at the time, but the word was true. The time was just preparing me. It was just prepping us for what God was going to do. It was a few years ago at General Conference. I didn't know this minister. I got, sorry, let me back up. I, under, I knew who he was, but I had never talked to him. I was being introduced to him. I can give you his name. I have confidence in his ministry, Brother George Guy. Pray for Brother Guy. From what I understand, he's struggling with COVID-19 right now. But he walked up to me and he, he was being introduced to me. Brother Arnold McLaughlin said, I want you to meet Jack Lehman. He walked up to me. He didn't say hello. He didn't say, how you doing? He didn't say, pleasure to meet you. He broke all protocol. He just looked at me and said, Isaiah 41 verse 10. He said, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shall not find them, even them that contended with me. They that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, unto thee fear not I will help thee 
I just kind of looked at him. I didn't know whether to say it's a pleasure to meet you too. I didn't know what to say. Because right then at that time, I really didn't feel like I had anybody against me. But it wasn't very long before I realized that word was for a season that was coming. But let me tell you what happened. When we walked into that season, there was a word that God had already prepared. He had already written it all out. He had already prepared the way before me. And when we got into that little bit of a difficult time, I leaned back on the word. I said, God, thank you for writing the story. Thank you, you're still authoring. You're still in control. It's easy, easy, I'm not preaching about events. Can I just tell you that this morning was a disappointing turn in the story. But I had to get along with God and remind myself, He's writing the story. I'm not writing the story. And I trust Him. I trust the author. And I trust the finisher of my faith. I trust him with my life. I trust him with my family. I trust him with this church. I trust him with our future. I trust him because he's not finished yet. We're still seeing his promises being fulfilled. Lifting our hands. Someone just let the Holy Ghost help you like it helped me today. Come on, just lift your voice. We can't come to the altar, so we may as well let the altar come to us. Come on, we may as well build the altar right where we are. Noah did. Abraham did. We may as well build the altar right there at our pew. We may as well, come on, we may as well build it. We may as well put it together and we may as well put our own ideas on it and sacrifice it to God and say, God, I'm putting you back in control. God, I'm giving you the pen back of my life. I make a mess when I try and write the story. God, here you go. Author, finisher of my faith, write the story. Come on, he's still working on you. He's still working. He's still moving. We see miracles happen already this weekend. He's still working. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. We can raise the screen. Why don't we just, it's the most awkward thing. We. It's the most awkward thing not to invite everyone to the front. It's the most awkward thing not to fellowship in the foyer. But God's not restricted because of our norms. 
I've already invited you a number of times to raise your hand. I'm not, a, I'm not asking you for that, but I wonder if you just pray together with me. We'll be begin to sing this song. We'll sing it through a few times. But I do feel like God's helping someone today. And you know what? It may not be that you need the message today, but it may be that the message is going to come to you in just a week, two weeks, maybe a month down the road. You're going to be reminded of a simple little Sunday night message in a building when the AC didn't feel like it was working at all. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. You don't have to worry. And don't you be afraid. afraid. Joy comes in the morning. Troubles ain't gonna last always. For there's a friend in Jesus. 